Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. I just want to get right into my message because I know where I'm going to at least to some point. We, we are in a divine visitation right now. Listen to me. You say it don't look like it. It don't feel like it. Well, don't you sing that song? Waymaker, miracle worker, promise. Y'all just sing that song. And don't you remember that part? It says, he's working even when. Oh, you sang it, but you don't believe it. I bet, I bet y'all sing that other song. This is how I fight my battle. You lying. I watch your Facebook. I know how you fight your battles. You, you fight your battles on Facebook. Not you personally. It's one sitting next to you in front of you or behind you, but not you. If you're not careful, the fog of what's going on around you will make you lose your focus of what God is doing in the midst of the fog. Because God is doing, don't get distracted. It's just nasal flies. Don't get distracted and lose sight of what God is doing or you'll miss it. I, I remember years and years and years and years and years ago, a Miss America, Heather Whitestone, I think was her name. Was that her name? She, she was deaf. Does anybody remember that? And, and won because, because she did a song. Does anybody remember? Anybody talk? I know on Facebook, listen, give us some hands up or, or clap or something. Make some kind of signal on there so we know you're with us. Out in the parking lot, blow your horn if you're out there. Come on, somebody. Does anybody remember that night? Anybody? Yes. She broke through on national television. Millions of people was watching. She did an anointed dance to a to a Christian song about the cross of Jesus Christ. It was so anointed. People, it showed, it showed in the newsreels, people were crying. And they, they didn't even know why they were crying. I didn't know anything about it. I, 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 I didn't know anything about it. I got to church the next morning on Sunday and everybody's talking about it. I totally missed it. I didn't watch the Miss America page. Just because I didn't know it didn't mean it wasn't happening. Talk to me, somebody. See, I was watching TV that night. I just wasn't watching what everybody else was watching. You will miss what God's doing watching what everybody else is doing. You need to tune in. And the only way you can tune in is you got to tune some stuff out. 
Come on, look at somebody and say, I think he's talking to you. A move of God. A revival, a divine visitation. An upswing, a comeback, a resurrection. I... I've heard all my life. I was raised in church. I'll be 61 in March. March 17th. I'll give you my address. No, I'm just teasing. I literally have been in church my whole life. My father, my mother took me to church. And I'm, I'm not talking about the E-N-D times. I'm talking about the I-N times. The Bible talks about both. I'm talking about the end times. The Bible tells us in Thessalonians that in, it, we'll know we're in the end times when, when you see a great falling away. And I'm going to tell you something. In my lifetime, I've never seen it, but I have seen it in 2020. Listen, listen there's some people never coming back. There's some people didn't just leave church. They left God. Listen to me. It's happened, not just in, the, in America, over the entire world. But there's also another end time that Joel prophesied. In the last days, God said, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters and your servants and your handmaids and your old men and your young men. Pastor Cornelius is dreaming dreams. I'm seeing visions. You'll get that in a minute. How, how are we going to know? I'm going to tell you something. I've been, I've been through some extreme manifestations of a move of God in my lifetime. I pastored a couple. And, and, and to be honest with you, you don't always know it at the moment it's happening. But, you, but then you begin to see the signs as, as God is moving. Because God's moving in people. Come on, everybody. And so I want to talk to you for just a few minutes. And, and listen, I'm, I'm not a great communicator, great preacher. But, but this is one time. If you... If you if you will, you need to take some notes, whether you do it on your phone or whether you do it the old way. I still do the pen and the paper. But you need to take some notes because I believe not only what I'm going to say to you today, I believe God wants to say some things to you while I'm talking. And listen, God can use a donkey and a rooster in the Bible. So if God can use a donkey and a rooster, he can use me to talk to you today. How will we know that we are in a divine visitation, a move of God. And, and, and again, I, I want to read just this, this reawakening of religious fervor because it's happening, everybody. Don't, don't go by what you see on the media. Don't go by what you're looking at in this room. Listen, God is moving and things are happening in the life. In fact, you, you don't even know this. Some of you don't even realize this. But some of you, your faith is greater today than it was this day last 
blessed you because you've come through some trying times and you don't even realize it but yet you've got joy when others are depressed you've got peace when everybody else is afraid your faith is growing and it's grown to get you where God's taking us and 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 this stirring of the hearts of men this let me tell you let me tell you what's happening and 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 get ready it's going some of it's going to happen to you god's going to interrupt some things in your life god's going to disrupt some things in your life Everybody talks about the new wine. Do you know the only way you get new wine is there has to be fermentation. And fermentation is is disruption. Leaven. There's only one place in the Bible that it's used in the positive, and it's about the kingdom of God. And he says, if you you don't need much, but if you just get the kingdom of God's like leaven, you just get a little bit, it'll spread through the whole lump. So this is one Sunday you can shout it. Everybody shout, I'm I'm just a little leaven. Come on, shout it. I'm just a little leaven. In fact, I need to say this. In fact, I need that. If your walk with God, if your walk with God does not disrupt your schedule, if your walk with God does not interrupt your politics, If your walk with God cannot invade the cultural clashes in our nation, you may not be a Christ follower. You may just be a Christ acceptor. And those are two totally different things. Because if you're walking with Christ, he will interrupt your life. Because he has a purpose for your life. And, and so I begin to ask God, how, how are we going to know when, we're, when, when, when you're moving in, in a way? And, and, and I've already seen some signs. I've already seen some signs since I've been in McCullough, since I've been here. How, how will it manifest itself? What will be the signals? What will be the earmarks? What, what will we do when we look back and we say, my God, we are in a move of God? Because, because if you go back in historical, you know, if you're not careful, you'll start thinking, well, people's going to do this and people's going to do that and they're going to fall and they're going to run and they're going to speak in tongues and they're going to do all this stuff. And, and all of that may be a part of it. We've, we've had that. That's in the Bible. But, but Jesus said some things in, in, in Acts chapter 1 because the greatest revival that we've ever, ever read about was in Acts, the book of Acts, where the gospel literally left one city and changed the world and turned it upside down. And they didn't have internet and Facebook and YouTube. Come on, everybody. They didn't have television and FaceTime and cell phones and radio in the parking lot. No! But yet they took the gospel to the entire world. Acts chapter 1, verse 6, 7, and 8. Jesus has risen from the dead. He's about to ascend into heaven. And this is what he says. He says, therefore, when when they had come together, they asked him. This is his disciples. Lord, when, when... Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? There's a political statement. See, they'd been under the domination of Rome, and they were wanting to overthrow Rome. They wanted their party to rule. Y'all don't get quiet with me. 
I'm leaving after service. Pastor Corn will be back next week. Come on, somebody. I may have you crank my car, Bruce, for I... Notice, notice how Jesus, he doesn't even answer that question. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Oh, is this the last day? I mean, is God finna come back? Are we, everything going to end? Why do we in America think because we're suffering a little bit, Jesus is coming back? This kind of stuff's been going on in the world for thousands of years and Jesus hadn't come back. Listen, listen, the little things we've lost this year, most people never had. Come on, I need a better amen. Y'all getting quiet on me in this church this morning. Come on, Facebook. Somebody answer me out there. Come on. He says, this is what I, see, he, he says to him, quit looking at all of these other things. Here's where I want your focus to be. And then he said it. But you. Don't worry about them. Come on, everybody. <laughs> Quit looking at them. Quit worrying about them. Them who? Whoever them is that you're so upset and frustrated about. Don't get focused on them. But you shall receive power when the Spirit of God comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in McCullough, Alabama. Come on, somebody. You'll be my witnesses. You'll be my witnesses. You'll be my witnesses. Here's what I want you to do in the midst of the fog, in the midst of the frustration, in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the confusion. I want to give you the power to witness for me, not become like everybody else. Don't let the world press you into its mold. I made a statement the other day. I said if I hadn't been following Christ for 45 years, if I had not been following Christ for 45 years and I was watching Christians today on social media, I would run from Christianity like it was a brood of vipers and a cult of hypocrisy because they're acting no different than the world is acting. Oh, God says, here's what I want you to focus on. I want you to be a witness for me. Oh, we could go over to Acts chapter 2. We could read when the power of God began to fall. There's four things, and I'm going I'm to give them to you real quick, so get ready to write them down, that I believe that God is saying he is doing, not going to do. Come on, look at somebody and say, not going to do. He is doing. He is doing. Right now, he is doing. And that is, we'll, we'll know we're in a divine visitation of God when church becomes a crusade. Church, church becomes a See what church has been for too long? Church has been a cradle just to comfort us like babies. It's been a crutch to prop us up because we got to go back to our job where nobody else is saved and they play country music. Come on. Come on, I need a better amen. This is not a conscience easer to put in your spiritual mouth like a pacifier to calm you down from week to week. Consumerism has left the building. Let me tell you something. The seeker-sensor, seeker-friendly consumer, here we're going to serve you. Church is over. It's gone. The pandemic took it away. Everybody listen to me. A church, church became a crusade. In fact, in fact, you read Acts chapter 2. When the power of God fell, it wasn't in a church service. It was in a prayer meeting. 
Acts chapter 4, it wasn't in a worship service when the building was shaken. It was in a prayer meeting. And listen to me. If you are uncomfortable going to church prayer meetings, God's about to interrupt, disrupt, and change your life. We are in a war. And it's not with the Democrats. It's not with the Republicans. It is not with candidates. It is not with platforms and parties. It is with the demonic forces of hell. And greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. It is time for you and I. Our, our weapons of war are not Facebook and rifles and flags. Our weapons of warfare are not man-made. They're mighty through God. It's the name of Jesus. It's the word of Almighty God. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And we are more than conquerors. We are not wimps running for our lives. You may not have to crank it, Bruce. You may not have to crank it. Listen to me. You were born for this moment. You were made for this moment. God trusted you. That's why you're alive at this moment. He believes in you more than you believe in him. Come on, I need a better amen. Church is going to become a crusade where we realize church isn't about, oh, I like to hear that song. They didn't sing my song today. I didn't like the sermon he preached today. Maybe it'll be better next week. It's too hot. It's too cold. I didn't get my parking place. Somebody got my seat. Those days are over. Church is not about you. Church is about becoming the kingdom of God. We rule and we reign. Church, we need to realize we are in an unabating conflict. We are in an, an undeniable struggle. But we are in an unlosing battle. And we, and we have an undeniable cause. You know what our cause is? Do you know why this building's here? Do you know why we're, we, we're sitting here in the middle of McCullough? Because we have one mission. And that is to bring every one of our family, every one of our friends, and every one of our foes to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. God so loved the world, he gave his only son. He is not willing that any perish, but that all come to repentance. That's what you and I are here for. So the church is going to become a crusade where we understand why we are really here. We're to be a light in the darkness. Come on. We're not a social club. We're not a country club. Come on, everybody. We are the church of the living God. And the church of the living God turned their world upside down. And they were under the rule of the Roman government. And Nero was the most wicked ruler who had ever lived. But Nero couldn't stop the gospel of Jesus Christ. They didn't try to elect a president. They didn't try to political maneuver. No, they knew that the risen Christ was greater than any man-made institution on the planet of the earth. We need to square our shoulders back and say, I am a child of God. I am a part of the living church of Jesus Christ. We'll know, number two, because preachers become prophets. 
And, and when I say prophets, I'm not talking about the fivefold ministry gift. I'm not talking about someone who prophesies something is going to happen in the future. I'm talking about somebody who has bathed themselves in the word of God and spent time in the presence of God and they get up and they begin to say what thus saith the Lord this is what God is saying in the midst of a pandemic this is what God is saying in the midst of rioting this is what God is doing in the midst of a political chaos God is still on the throne and we get the mind of God and we get the voice of God and when we speak it's not just what we say that people hear it's what they feel because they realize I'm uneducated I don't know if you know this I don't even have a high school diploma I mean, listen, I, 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 I'm the only one of six children, actually seven, but one died before I was born. My parents had seven children. Every one of them have Bible names. Deborah, Michael, Daniel, David, John, James, Frankie. But God chose me. God, I'm the only one in full-time ministry. Been to 46 countries of the world. Preached in churches all over America and all over the world. From huts in the Amazon jungle to 25,000-seat auditoriums in, in Maidan, Indonesia. Listen to me. Listen, God is moving and he's using the nobodies. He's using not the big names. Everybody. Listen to me, listen to me. I don't want to be misunderstood right here. I don't want to be misunderstood. I'm not, I'm not talking about great men and women of God because it's not their fault. It's what the church has done to them. We, we've made heroes out of men. We, I've never seen in my life where the church, the spirit-filled church, tries to mimic the looks and the language of great men and women of God preachers. If they wear skinny jeans, we try to wear skinny jeans. Listen, I couldn't wear skinny. If I wore skinny jeans, I'd look like a hippopotamus in a tutu. And we try to get all the cliches down. Nothing wrong with good communication skills. But you listen to me. Can I come down? You listen to me. In Acts chapter, in Acts chapter, I just lost my place. Help me, Jesus. In Acts chapter 4, here's what they said about Peter and John. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, Watch this, everybody. This is important. Can we put that verse on the screen, Acts 4, 13? Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated men, untrained men, they marveled and they realized they had been with Jesus. Do you know Jesus was not a priest? He was a carpenter. He wasn't from Jerusalem. He was from Nazareth, a nowhere town that had a bad reputation. John the Baptist, if, you, if you'll read Luke chapter 3, don't, don't put that verse up. If you'll read Luke chapter 3, verse, verse 1 and 2, or Luke chapter, one verse, uh, Luke chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, it, it names all of these political dignitaries, Caesar and the governor and Herod. It names about five dignitaries. And then it names the religious dignitaries, Annas and Caiaphas and all of these big names and these big positions. And this is what it says. But the word of the Lord came to John out in the wilderness. Come on, somebody. John was a nobody. God is getting ready to use nobodies from nowhere. I call them the uns. You know, there's a group of people today called the nuns, N-O-N-E-S. It's a large segment of our society. They're called nuns. 
They have no faith affiliation whatsoever. They're not more Muslim. They're not Buddhist. They're not Christian. They're, they're just nuns. You can look that up, Google. It's a whole movement. But see, I believe, I believe like Peter said on the day of Pentecost, like he, when he quoted Joel's prophecy, I believe the brooding breath of God is coming on the uns. The uns. The unnamed. The unknown. The unnoticed. The unlikely. The unexpected. Because they're also unafraid and unashamed and unintimidated. And uncompromising. And they are emerging out of this cultural Christianity of complacency with unusual gifts of God and unusual abilities. And they are they have an unstoppable faith. And they are going to attempt unprecedented things. And they're going to do the unpredictable. Come on, somebody. They are going to flip the script. They are going to change the narrative. They are going to alter destinies. They are going to change the world. And they're all just uns. Like John the Baptist. Like Peter. Like Jesus who was a un. Are there any uns here today? Are there any uns here today? Autumn, you're a nun. Where are you, darling? Where is she? In the back. There she is. You're a nun. When's your next sermon, baby? You need to prepare it. Don't say God hadn't called you. You, you ain't reading your Bible. Acts chapter 8. When revival began to happen, it said all the apostles, all those called by Jesus, stayed in Jerusalem. But it was the uns that, that had never been called that was scattered abroad preaching. Scattered abroad preaching. Not the apostles. It tells you the apostles stayed in Jerusalem. But all those who were scattered abroad, like Philip, who was just a deacon, he wasn't called either. But he was a deacon that went down to Samaria, cast out devils, healed the sick, preached the gospel, baptized believers in water, and turned the city upside down. God is just looking for uns. Third sign. Members are going to become ministers. Now listen to me. I want everybody to hear this. All of you on Facebook, all of you that, 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 that are in the parking lot, all of you that are on YouTube, I want you to listen to this. I thank God for ministries in the church. You understand? Nursery is a ministry. Come on, somebody. And if you don't think so, you've never kept nursery. You keep it, you'll believe you're laying down your life for Jesus. Children's church is a ministry. That's where all of our angels become devils. That's what I'm telling you. 
Youth ministry is a ministry. Parking is a ministry. Greeting is a ministry. But I'm not talking about ministries in the church. We've done that well, but the problem is, is we have locked ministry inside a building to one day a week for about two hours a day. When we get in a divine visitation of God, which we're in right now, you're going to realize that God is not going to let you just settle in and, and, and usher alone on Sunday morning. God is wanting to turn every career into a mission field. In, in fact, in fact, in fact, Jesus tells a parable, and he, and he goes into this whole parable about fields and about a sower sowing in the fields. And, and, and then he comes back and he explains the parable, and he says the seed is the word of God, the sower is the son of man, and then he says the field is the world. Everybody say the field. Do you think it's by chance? Do you think it's by happenstance that's, that we used to say, still do sometimes, we'll say, what field are you in? Well, I'm not asking you what corn patch you're standing in the middle of. When I ask you what field you're in, what am I asking you? What am I asking you? What, what is your career? God wants to take your career and turn it into a mission field. Listen to me, everybody. This thing of being, being, being wimpy Christians is over. God's looking for men and women who will lay down their life and realize that you have become a container of the presence of God. Listen, listen. You, you're more than a container. You're just a container on Sunday morning. Once you walk out of here, a container becomes a channel for the river of God to flow through your life. You're not a reservoir. You're a river. You're the light of the world. You're to look for dark places so you can light it up. And I'm going to tell you something. You don't have to have a 10 pound Bible. You don't have to say God and thus saith the Lord. Your eyes don't have to roll back in your head. All you got to do is live the principles of Jesus Christ. Live different. Talk different. Act different. Be different. Just be Jesus. You will be so attractive that people who are lost and lonely and the least and the last and the homeless and the hopeless and the helpless and the hurting, they will find you because you are so different. Jesus attracted sinners. Sinners were attracted to Jesus. I'm telling you, God is looking for you and I to turn our businesses into a boat like Peter did and let Jesus get in the middle of your boat. It's time, Christian businessmen. Listen, if you own the business, you can do whatever you want to. You can hold a prayer meeting. You can have a Bible verse read every morning before the clocks are. Listen to me. You're in control. God gave you that business not just to make a paycheck, but to turn it into your purpose. He wants to give you a passion. Glory to God. And I tell you, if you'll just get a heart for the hurting, if you'll just get a heart for your employees, don't see them as somebody that's just making you money. See them as a child that Jesus died for. And you find and ask God, I want to bless them every way that I can. I want to create an atmosphere where they feel the presence of God. Listen to me. Listen to me. You say, but I don't own my business. Well, let me just, I, I want to make it practical. I don't want to just preach fluff and puff. And then you, you sit there and shake and nod, but don't know, have a clue what I'm talking about. 
you need to understand, if you are born again, inside of you lives the Spirit of God. How many of you are born again? I don't mean to, if you're new and you hadn't come to Christ yet, I'm not trying to, but how many of you are born again? Do you realize, do you realize the same Spirit of God that moved on the face of the waters and creation lives inside of you? So, so listen, so this is not a stretch. This is not an ecclesiastical phrase. If you are born again and the Spirit of God lives inside of you, you are a carrier, not of corona. You are a carrier of the presence of God. It's, listen, it's not how you act. You ain't got to do all of this. That doesn't make the Spirit of God any different, any bigger. That's just your reaction to his presence. It's like a it's 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 like a, a thermostat. A thermostat hangs on the uh, I mean a, a thermometer hangs on the wall and just reflects the atmosphere. But a thermostat, it changes the atmosphere. You don't have to walk in your job tomorrow morning saying, Thus saith God, I claim this job for Jesus. But let me tell you what you can do. In the morning when you get up, you can say, God today. I am not going to be a nominal Christian anymore. I'm a carrier of the presence of God. You put me on that job. Thank you, Lord. It is paying my bills. But this job is bigger than bills. It's bigger than my paycheck. This job is my purpose. You put me in the midst of all these cussing, dirty joke telling, country music playing. You put me in the middle of it because you wanted me to shine like a light. And God, it, it, it doesn't depend on what I wear. It don't depend on how my eyes look or what comes out of my mouth. But I carry within me an atmosphere changing a presence of Almighty God. So when I walk in that building, let the atmosphere shift. Let them look around. I don't even have to say a word. Let them look around. They felt something. They sent something. That's what God wants to do. He, he can take you into places that we'll never get in this place. I'm telling you practically. Now, now listen. I know, I know what I'm doing. So I know some of you are just trying to wrap. It's okay. It's okay. I know you've never heard it. I know you've never heard it because, because we haven't understood it. But listen to me. Listen to me. Oh, glory to God. Listen to me. Get up in the morning. Drive to work 15 minutes early. Sit in the parking lot. Here, here's something. Unless you park in a, unless you work in an executive and you got a certain parking place and everybody's got, if you just work, well, most of us work, just everybody parks wherever they can get. Why don't you get there early every morning this week, park in a different section of the parking lot and just sit in your car five minutes and say, God, I claim every parking space around my automobile. I don't know what John's going through. He comes in smiling every morning, but his life may be falling apart. I don't know what's going on in Susan's kids. They may have been called out to go get them out of jail. But God, I'm asking you, Jesus died for them. You put me at this job so I could know John and pray for John so that I could intercede for sin. God, I'm asking you. I'm going to tell you something. Those aren't parking places. That's where souls are going to drive into. Souls that Jesus died for. And listen what God said. He said, I'm not willing that any perish. 
I want all of them to come to repentance. I'm telling you, it'll change. Do you know 87% of the people in this room hate their job? 87% of the people work in this job only to pay their bills. You don't need to change jobs to change your attitude. If you'll just begin to understand, it's not about paying bills. It's about the passion of God that lives inside of you. I'm going to claim every parking place and just change sections of the parking lot and watch God. I know this about God. God is a responsive God. The, 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 the Red Sea didn't roll back until Moses went first. The walls of Jericho didn't fall till Israel went first. Jericho did not split and divide until the priest stepped in. God said, if you will, I will. Faith will move God. If you will dare to claim your, your field, your mission field, if you'll dare to claim it, God will give you fruit from your field. Man, I, how many has ever heard this book, this, this scripture out of the book of Joshua? Every place that the sole of your feet shall rest upon. I mean, come on, anybody can quote that scripture? Anybody? Can anybody just quote it? You ain't got to know it exactly. I mean, how many has ever heard that verse before? Let me see your hand. Every place that the sole of your foot shall rest upon. And so we have Jericho marches in the church. Now, we don't want the walls to fall. <laughs> come on, not while I'm in here. Y'all march when I leave. We already possess this building. I know you've lost some things. I know we may lose some more. Lot took all the best part. And right after, right after Lot took all the best part, listen to what God said to Abraham. <laughs> he took a part, son. The rest of it's yours. Just walk through the land. And wherever you walk belongs to you. Now, wait a minute. I'm not talking hyperboles. I'm talking about Walk your neighborhood. Hey, you can, you can pray with your eyes open. How many of you knew that? Yeah, that's why he said watch and pray. And you don't have to shout, God, I'll just pray for that house. You ain't got to do it. God's not deaf. God's the greatest communicator. He created communication. We don't even know our neighbors anymore. But just walk your neighborhood. Just walk around the block. And what you know you're doing, some of us need to walk for more than one reason. So this, this will be good for you in more than one way. Just walk around your neighborhood. Some people put their name on their mailbox. If there's toys in the yard, what does that tell you? Come on, everybody. If there's multiple cars there, that tells you there's adults. Not an adult, there's adults. And start claiming that Joshua scripture. God, you said every place. I, I thought I was moving here because honey loved this house. But God, you were moving me here. I want to give you a verse of scripture. I wish you'll write this down. It's found in Galatians chapter 5 verse 13. And, I, and, 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 you know, I go into so many different atmospheres. All right, everybody? So I try to, when, when I'm unsure of an atmosphere and, and I didn't ask, I try to stay with King James, New King James, maybe the New Living. 
but I want to read this first to you because, because it, it, has a, it has a negative connotation. We, we want to stay away from this verse, but, but it's not a negative. It says, for you, brethren, have been called to freedom, liberty. Only do not use your liberty. Everybody say it with me. Do not use your liberty as. Come on. Come on, everybody say it. Come on, say it. As an opportunity for the flesh. Now listen, do we have any English teachers here? Any? Any? No, no. Then. But ties it back to opportunity. So this is what it's saying. Don't, don't, don't use your liberty as an opportunity for your flesh. Use it as an opportunity through love to serve one another. Everybody say opportunity. The King James Version says occasion. Everybody say occasion. This is what that word means. It means a starting point of which to work from. Let, let me see if I can help you. One translation, the Passion Translation, uses the best Greek interpretation. Use it as a base of operation. Do you know what a base of operation is? Whenever we invaded Iraq and Afghanistan, what our military does immediately is they find a place to set up a base of operation. And that base of operation becomes where it's a starting point. They didn't just get, go there to take that one little city or that one little area. No, that's where they're going to work out of and keep taking more and more and more and more and more. What God is saying is, I'm tired of y'all being locked up in a building. Maybe that's why he let us get knocked out a, lot, a little bit. Nothing wrong with being in here, but when this becomes our whole base of operation, we have forgotten who we are. So in other words, God says, you're a carrier of his presence. You're the leaven of the kingdom. On your job, you've set up a base of operation for God to work. And he wants to work through you and expand his kingdom in your field, in your neighborhood. And if you will understand that you're a base of, don't use it as a base of operation just to buy you a new car, just to get insurance for your kids. Come on, everybody. Use it as a, ba a base of operation to serve others. I'm telling you. I'm messing up some of y'all. You don't realize it yet. But when you get to work in the morning, you're going to start struggling. I wish that preacher had never said that. Now I can't get it off my mind because the Holy Spirit is going to brood over your brain because he wants to use you in a divine visitation. Here's the last one. I could, I could preach. I could stay there some more. We need to make it so practical. When you leave here today, if you go to a restaurant, you're not just going there to fill your belly up. You're going there as a base of operation. Oh, yeah. It's so, it's so funny how we've become a base of operation for the flesh. I want to I tell you something. I feel led to do that. I, I want to tell you, 
you're in a small enough region, you can talk to the people. You probably know some of the waitresses and waiters. Just ask them. If you don't think I'm telling the truth, just ask. Do you know that restaurant, the restaurant business now, to hire a waiter or a waitress must demand, the only way I'm going to hire you is you have to work so many Sundays a month, one or two or four or whatever. You know why? Because waiters and waitresses do not want to work on Sundays. You know why? Because of you and I, church people. They will tell you that at the catfish restaurant. Because Christians gripe the most, tip the least. Listen, that's the flavor. We're, we're supposed to be the salt of the earth. We're supposed to flavor everything. That's the flavor we've left in the world. Well, I'm going there to, I'm paying my money. I mean, she didn't, she didn't keep my tea glass full. I'm not tipping her. I'm telling you, that conversation's went on in your car before. My food didn't get out there. I have to keep calling her back. Have you ever had a bad day before on your job? Then treat others the way you want to be treated. That's what Jesus said. See, we, we've become too much like the world instead of living like when you go today. Listen, one meal ain't going to kill you. It may not be the best. It may be long. Your team may not be full all the time. But you've got an opportunity to change the flavor of that waitress that had to work today. She had to to have a job. And you can go in there and don't leave her a, don't leave her a, 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 a track on the table. Leave her a $20 bill on the table. And tell her what a great job she did. Oh, you want to really blow their minds? Let me tell you what will really change the atmosphere. This is Christianity. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Before you leave, when she brings you your bill, before you give her your card or whatever, when, when she takes it, just look at her. Don't, don't look deep in her eye. Just say, Helen, uh, when you come back, ask your manager to come to the table and watch what happens. Watch her when she tells her manager and watch, watch them talk back and forth. Watch the manager when he approaches the table. Nine times out of ten, their opening statement will be, what's, what's our problem today? Because that's all the managers ever hear. I'm telling you, this is how to become a base of operation and a river of the presence of God. Look at that manager and say, listen, I know it's busy today, and I, I, I didn't want to take your time, but I couldn't miss the opportunity to tell you what a great job Helen did. I believe she's an asset to your organization. And I could not miss the opportunity. Let me tell you something. You're adding value to that girl who has been criticized and treated like trash. And you are raising her value. Listen to me. And watch the manager say, well, oh, we're so thankful. We usually only hear the problems. And then right before he walks away, say, now listen, I know you're busy, but, but I also know what leadership is. So I know everything rises and falls on leadership. So I know Helen's job is really a reflection of your leadership. So I thank you for your leadership in this restaurant. That'll take you about 60 seconds. But you'll make a difference in the atmosphere you're in. Church will become a crusade. Preacher will become prophets. Members are going to become ministers. And sinners are going to become saints. Listen to me, everybody. On the day of Pentecost, we get so caught up with the non-essentials. Well, that cloven tongue of fire. Everybody spoke in tongues. Everybody spoke in tongues. Everybody spoke in tongues. That wasn't the greatest part of that. 
The greatest part of it was they were in a room, sir. They were in a room, and somehow they got out on the street without any sound system, no cell phones, no texting, no tweeting, no Facebook Live, no internet, no television, no radio, and yet from all over the city, thousands ran to where they were. I don't know how they counted. They didn't have clickers like we have today at Walmart making sure the building don't get too full, but they counted and 3,000 people bowed their knee to Jesus and were born again. And here's the beautiful part. Peter didn't ask them. They asked Peter, what do we need to do to be saved? Acts chapter 4, it happened again. 5,000 were born into the kingdom of God. And you're worried about tyrants? There was a tyrant the church had to deal with in Acts. His name was Saul of Tarsus. He was beating Christians. He was putting them in prison. He was having them stoned to death. He was trying to stomp out Christianity. That's what they're going to do when they get in the White House. They, go, they can't stomp out Christianity. In fact, he was on his way riding a horse to Damascus. I'm going to kill me some more Christians. He had the legal papers from the government to do it. But something happened. He got knocked off his horse. Here's what, here's what he's saying. Here's the, here's the big guy. Here's the tough guy. Acts chapter 9. Put that verse up. Here, here's, here's what the old big guy was saying now. He went from I'm going to kill him. I'm going to put him in prison. Till he's saying this right here. He says, so he trembling and astonished said, Lord. Everybody say, Lord. The sinner became a saint. Listen to me. I'm talking about your Saul of Tarsus and your family, the one that you think is so far from God. I believe the enemy has taken the scripture. You remember when, when Satan met Jesus in the wilderness? Do you remember, Pastor? And Satan quoted scripture to Jesus? How many of y'all remember that? I believe Satan has quoted scripture to us, and here's the scripture he uses. Well, they have a free will. They have a free will. God can't make them. They have a free will. Oh, really? I'm not saying that we don't have a free will, but let me tell you, God does too. In fact, anybody ever here, when, when my son's 35, when he was a child, I bought a book by Dr. James Dobson. I needed to buy the book. It's called A Strong-Willed Child. Anybody ever raised a strong-willed child before? See, I had a will for my house. I had a will for my house to be peace and calm and clean, but my strong-willed son disrupted my will for my house. About a year and a half, I'm walking in an auditorium at a church that lets me have an office at their church. And I'm praying for someone, that, and really I'm praying, but really, I know God, God really in my heart, I just, I, I, I said, well, God, I know they have their own free will. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God stopped me and said, yeah, they do. But my will is stronger. And I have a will. 
How many of you have ever heard the phrase before? Somebody needs to knock you off your high horse. Anybody ever heard that? Y'all talk like that down in here? Y'all ever heard that before? You know where that phrase comes from? Literally, you can trace it back to Acts 9. Because God knocked Paul off his high horse. You, you tell me God can't. Read the story of Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah. The Bible says, while Lot refused to leave, the angels laid hands on him and took him out of the city. I'm going to tell you the power of God is greater than all the resistance of the wills of men and women. And when the spirit of God starts moving and church becomes a crusade instead of a comfort zone and preachers become prophets and members become ministers, I'm telling you, they're going to bow their knee and they're going to come running and they're going to give their life to Jesus. Somebody move this. Stand with me. Worship team, come back. Hurry, don't take my time. Everybody look at me. I'm not through yet. I'm just making you think I am. I'm getting you to relax for a second. Look at me, please. Please don't tune me out yet. We got a baptism. I got to tell you two things. In 1998, everybody say 98. In the month of October, we did a, uh, uh, a Christian scary house. I, uh, we called it Fatal Exit. We did three nights and we had about 85 people except Christ. So on the following Sunday night, of no, first Sunday night of November, we decided that we'd have a baptismal service. And we had 36 people wanting to be baptized. And uh, so I had it all figured up. It'd take me about 30 minutes. So we planned the service. I told my worship pastor, I said, we, I'm going to open the service. You're going to lead three worship songs. I'm going to go get ready, get in the baptistry, what Pastor Corn is doing right now. And I said, at 6.15, I'm going to start baptizing. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I said, I'll be through by 6.45. You go right back to leading worship. I'll get dried off, come back, put my suit on, 7 o'clock, I'll be ready to preach. So I did. We had probably about 200 people there that night. I started baptizing at 6.15. At 11.45, I left people in the baptism. I said, I can't do it no more. We baptized 255 people. Now, that's, that's not the greatest thing. I mean, there wasn't even 250 people there. What I want you to understand is what happened. I didn't know. I, I kept asking, what's going on? Where are these people? Because I, I saw them. I'd be up there baptizing. All of a sudden, people would walk in the back door of the church that I didn't even know, come down, start praying at the altar. People I did know would be with them, praying for them. And then they'd come up there and get baptized. And some of them, when they come up out of the water, came out speaking in tongues, baptized in the Holy Spirit. Some of them, they had to drag out the baptistry. They said, Pastor, all the rooms are filled with people laid out in the power of God. I, I, it was the next day, and, and, and really this was before we had all the technology, so it took me days to get some of the stories. Here's what happened, Bruce. The Spirit of God began moving in the congregation. Now, I didn't know it. I was just doing my preacher little thing. I was just trying to get through in a hurry. 
And they said the presence of God began moving and people started weeping for their lost friends and family members. So they would go get in their car, drive to their houses, knock on the door, and they would. there was something so different about them. It would convince their co-workers and their friends and their neighbors and their families to get in their cars and follow them back to the church, come down to the altar, get saved, and come back around and get baptized in water. That's a move of God when sinners become saints. Oh, my God, that's who you are. That's who you are. You're the way maker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper, the light in the darkness. Listen to me. I want to pray over you. I'm not going to lay hands on anybody, and I know everybody's not comfortable. I, I go, listen, I'm here to respect you. I'm, I'm not here to do my thing. I go in, in, in every kind of situation you can imagine so I'm comfortable. And, and, and God can touch you right where you are, just like, he, just like he can touch through me right where I am. But I do want to do, do one thing. I want to invite people that want to come and stand. You can social distance, wear a mask. And, and here's, why I'm, here's, here's the only reason I'm saying it. I know this about me. I know this about the Word of God. God says faith without works is unproductive. I know that to, to do some things spiritually in our life we need to make some kind of physical move toward God and so in just a minute I'm going to invite you and if you want to come stand I'm not going to come down I'm not going to lay hands on you but if you want to say God I want to be in the midst of a divine visitation I want you to use me I, I, I want to become a carrier it's scary, God. I mean, this guy is off his loop. I hope he never comes back. But there's something in me wants to do and be what he's talking about. And if you want God to do that, then, then in just a moment, I want you to come and stand while they sing. And then I'm going to pray over you and pastor's going to baptize. Don't take God long when he has a heart that's willing and yielded. 1996. We were in a, a move of God. I can't even explain it. If I tried to, you'd get your mind on what was happening. But we would, we would come to church at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. We would get out about 2 in the evening. We'd come back at 6 o'clock. People would never left the building. We'd get out of church about midnight. We went through about 18 months of that. It was extraordinary. But one day we got a call from our little local school. Town of 6,000 people. Everybody knew us. And there was a little boy in our church, JT. And the, the, the principal knew my wife, so she called her and she said, Miss Powell, she said, I don't know how to talk to his parents and I don't want to cause a problem. She said, but y'all have got to talk to, to JT. Y'all have got to talk to him. She said, well, what's wrong? She said, well, we don't know. She said, all we know is he gets his schoolmates out on the playground. He lays hands on them. They fall on the ground. They pass out. Listen now. He said, she, she said, they pass out, Miss Powell, and said, then they go home and tell their parents, and their parents are upset, saying, we let this boy do this, and that their kids can't explain what happened to them, but that they passed out on the playground. So we talked to his parents. We knew Liz. We knew his father. We talked to him, and they talked to him and said, you can't. But we asked him, he said, what made you do that? He said, well, I just saw what God did at church and I thought if God can do that at church God can do that at school
I'm going to tell you God can 